0: Welcome to the Buick Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and on this podcast, we dive deep into the outdoors. We discuss hunting and fishing techniques, give you tips and tricks, tell stories, and everything in between to help you enjoy the outdoors. This podcast is brought to you by Northbound Gear. Northbound Gear makes some of the best affordable outdoor gear on the market today. I have all of their pants, their tactical jacket, and the Apex jacket. I can't say anything but good things about their clothing and I wear this stuff daily. I just put the Adventure Water Resistant Pants and the Apex Waterproof Jacket to the test on my latest overnight ice fishing trip where the wind chill made the temperature drop down to minus 41 and it kept me warm and dry. If you want to check out their lineup of clothing and accessories, head over to northboundgear.co and use my promo code SHELDON15 at checkout to receive 15% off your order. That's northboundgear.co, and use my promo code SHELDON, the number 1, and the number 5 at checkout to save 15% off your order. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Buick Outdoors podcast. If you're new here, my name is Sheldon Marion, and uh, if you're just listening to this and you're not watching it on our YouTube channel, uh, you won't see that we're doing things slightly different today. Uh today we're set up in the living room beside the fire so we have the nice little fire going uh you might hear some weird noises from time to time uh we are in the living room not in the office so uh shelby there she has her rabbits tucked in the corner there and we got cats running around my dogs are sitting beside me but uh that's just part of our life you know it's it's nice having this podcast where i can kind of sit down with you guys relax a bit and uh Basically just have a conversation with you. Also if you are watching this on YouTube. I really appreciate that. Uh, Please subscribe to the channel. And if you're kind of getting busy whatever. And you want to take off. And actually just listen to this. We're on all major podcast platforms. So we're on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio. Just search up the Buick Outdoors podcast. And you'll be able to find us on all major podcast platforms uh but anyways uh recently there was a bit of an incident uh just outside of town on the old walking trails there up by beaten river uh somebody was walking their dog and apparently the dog got caught up in a coyote snare and uh boy that caused uh, that caused a lot of fear in a lot of people there uh I was really surprised it actually didn't cause much for like hatred towards trapping and stuff like that. But I think it was because there's a couple of us that kind of jumped on the subject really fast and basically just educated people on what it was. And then there was also some people that were, they were trying to educate, but they didn't quite know what they were talking about kind of a thing. Uh, they Had the right mindset, but yeah, their facts were quite a bit off. Uh, the one there, they're saying that you know, you might have been on private property, and on private property, there's trap lines, uh, which is true, but also the realization and like the reality of it all is that the entire province is a trap line, so anytime you're on any crown land you are on a trap line whether or not it's actively being trapped is up to the trap line owner Uh, so i kind of had to step in there i didn't have to but i really wanted to just to kind of clear things up for people and to uh just educate them a little bit on you know kind of like the hazards that you run into when you're on crown land and basically i'm just gonna tell you what i told them and kind of bits and pieces of the conversations and stuff and it happened a couple of weeks ago so I, you know my memory might be a little foggy on exactly what was said but i mean you'll get the gist of it uh so basically the entire province is a trap line uh or a set of trap lines and what a trap line is is basically a chunk of land that you own the rights to trap the fur-bearing animals. And a fur-bearing animal is being like... uh, Squirrel, marten, Lynx, Coyote, Fox... Anything like that where you actually harvest the animal for the fur and not necessarily for the meat. Uh, And with trap lines, it's not like a big square... It's not a pipeline. It's not a straight line. Uh, The borders of a trap line usually go by the height of land. So if you're up on like a mountain ridge or something like that. Or even like a little hilltop. They'll go by that. Uh, A lot of times it goes by rivers and creeks. Sometimes roads. uh, Not. uh, It's not very often it it goes off of roads. Because a lot of times roads... Weren't exactly there when they made the borders, uh, but the odd time it does, or it's relatively close, kind of a thing. Uh, sometimes it goes off latitudes and longitudes and stuff, but you know, there's not an actual physical thing that you can really see. You know, it's not like a fence line that's going to be there. Uh, basically, you have to look at the maps themselves to see where the actual trap line uh, borders are. Uh and part of the borders is that there is private property and crown land. And ninety-nine percent of the time it's way easier to trap on the crown land than it is onto the private property. Uh so just because you're on either or doesn't make it safe for you, there can be traps pretty well anywhere. And uh but with that being said though too is when you set a trap it's in a extremely specific area and spot. And I'll, I'll get into that here in just a second. Uh, but yeah, uh, the trap lines are everywhere. But it's nothing to freak out about or to be worried about. Uh, you know, when you're on Crown Land and you own the rights or you have permission from the trap line owner to trap on that line... Technically speaking, you can set a trap almost anywhere. However, a respectful trapper isn't going to go on a walking trail. He isn't going to go where a lot of public people go or a lot of public access is. Uh, You know, for the most part, it is just out of respect for the people. But it's also because our stuff gets stolen and destroyed quite a bit if you do that. And, eh, you know, if you're on like a dog walking trail, I think your stuff pretty well should be. Uh, I wouldn't uh, advocate for you to do that. But that's not exactly what I would call an actual trapper. I think that's more of a poacher and a guy who's just being a head and uh, watch too many mountain men shows or Yukon men or something like that. You know, he's not an actual trapper. He's just an idiot in the bush with a piece of steel that he sort of kind of knows how to use it but uh you know when you are trapping you you want to trap what the animals are going to be now on a walking trail there's not going to be a whole lot of coyotes or lynx or whatever it is your target animal is uh that's going to be walking around there because there's just too many people there there's so i mean like really the chance of you trapping a dog or somebody's Kid, or something like that, poking a stick around uh, that's pretty high, but the chances of actually getting the animal that you're going after are extremely low, so there's no reason whatsoever to trap on like the main walking trails and stuff. Uh, With this dog incident, uh, I actually talked to the trapper, and they were telling me that they were about four kilometers away from the trap or the not the trap line. Uh, from the walking trail. And they were about a 100 yards off the main road. Down a hill through a bunch of brush. And hes they were saying that like, it was hard walking to get to where his snare was. Uh, so the chances of somebody actually going in there was extremely low. Uh, why they were down there to begin with. I mean... To, whatever, people like to walk and explore. But if you're going to go out to the walking trails, maybe stick to the walking trails kind of a thing. But at the same sense, it is crown land. I mean, you can walk wherever you want. Uh, But just talking to the trapper, you know, it was extremely deep snow on a pretty nasty hill through some bad brush and stuff. So the reason why they were in there walking, it's... I don't know, I guess they wanted to work out or something. But anyways, the dog was perfectly fine and okay. Uh, but then there's a lot of people just kind of saying that they were kind of worried and scared that their dogs or their kids or whatever was uh, were going to be getting into traps and snares. And they figured that people just kind of throw a snare out or a trap out kind of willy-nilly all over the place. Which isn't the case whatsoever. Uh, You know when you go to trap. You need to know what you're doing in order to be successful. You have to really be able to funnel animals into a certain area. Uh, You know if you're using a snare. The snare isn't much bigger than the size of the head. And it has to be set at a certain height. The loop has to be set just right. You have to have guide sticks. You know, there's a lot that actually goes into it because when the snare goes or when the coyote or lynx or whatever it is that you're going after when the animal's head goes through that snare the bottom of the loop touches their chest as they continue to walk it lines up and it kind of gets stretched out almost so in that way when it actually does engage it tightens up on the animal's body power so they're walking through they touch that cable they keep walking and it comes up at a perfect angle where that lock and slider comes down between their ears the cable runs between the jawline and it doesn't choke them out What a snare does is it blocks your main arteries going up to your brain so it, there's it just it stops the blood going to your brain It knocks them out real quick And with no blood supply going to the brain, it kills you extremely fast. Uh, You know, there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of misleading information on trapping. And, you know, a lot of times when you see a snare, you think of like a noose. This isn't the Wild West days. You don't sit there and wait for them to go through and then the floor drops out underneath them and you break their neck kind of a thing. It stops the blood flow going to the brain. It's just like somebody putting a triangle choke on you. If you once you squeeze, that blood stops. You'd get knocked out, and if you held that squeeze there, you'd be dead just in minutes. You'd you'd die in your sleep, basically. So there's really there's really no pain and suffering in it whatsoever. And then when it comes to footholds. I think with a lot of people and they hear footholds uh they kind of get taken back to like an old disney cartoon where they think of this great big bear trap that's a huge chunk of steel and has teeth in it and when you step on it it breaks your legs and which is not the case whatsoever uh there is so many laws and rules and regulations uh, that go into even like the the design of a trap. Uh, for us, we always use the Victor number 3 4-coil soft catch for Coyotes. And even when you look in the back of regulations, there is a list of traps that you are allowed to use. And that is it. If you use any other ones, it's illegal and you get fined, possibly lose your trapping license and your trap line and everything goes with it. So they, they take it very seriously and for the number number three four spring or four coil uh footholds, there's a four coil and there's a two coil. Uh the difference is just the strength of the actual hold that it puts on the animal. Uh the two coil you can use that on lynx, uh but the two coil you can't use that on a coyote because there's not enough tension you squeeze and hold it there. And with the soft catch, they're called a soft catch because on the metal jaws that close up on its foot, there's actual rubber pads across the entire length of the jaw on both sides. So, in that way, the metal can't squeeze onto their paw and freeze, the rubber doesn't freeze onto their skin. Uh, they're designed to catch them between the top of the pad and the bottom of their toes. There's that sweet little spot there on a dog's foot where it'll just grab them and it holds them there. It doesn't dig into them, doesn't do anything like that. It just holds them. Uh, it's not designed to hit any big chunks of bone on their, their ankle or anything like that. And when you're an actual trapper... You have to know exactly where to set it and how to set it. You have to pick the right path. You have to guide them into the correct spot. Because when that trap is set, it's only about 5 inches wide. The pan itself that actually sets the trap off, it's only about 2 inches wide. So you have to make sure that that animal, when it comes in and steps down, it steps down on that little 2 inch circle. you have to know what you're doing. You don't just throw out a trap willy nilly. And hope that it catches something. And then also when you're setting your trap. You have to anchor it. So when you catch them. They can't just take off running. And you follow drag marks in the snow. You know it's solidly anchored there. Uh, With ours we had a spring in the chain. So you had an anchor. It came up to a spring that spring was connected to your trap that way there's a little bit of give and again it's another legal requirement right if it's just a solid anchor when they hit that it you could potentially start to rip and tear their skin and stuff depending on how hard they pull but with the uh, with the spring there there's a lot of give so they can come to the end hit the end and that spring kind of you know it it lightens that pull so when you're When you're going to set your trap too, you have to make sure that you you bed it properly. And what that means is when you set your trap on the ground, it can't move. Because if you set it down and you push on the side and it angles up at all, you're not going to get them to step on that little two-inch circle. Uh, They're going to hit the side of the pan or one of the springs or something like that or uh, corner of the jaw. And it's just going to flip it up and it's going to miss them. Or, you that's when you might get a bad catch too. If you set it up, oh, that cat. If you set it up and uh, it's not quite bedded right, that's when you can run into the problem of catching them kind of by a toe or something like that. But that's when it's up to the trapper to do his job, do his due diligence, and make sure he actually knows what they're doing. Do you want to become part of the Buick Outdoors team, represent one of the best Northern BC YouTube channels, and help us grow? If you do, then check out our brand new online store. We have a bunch of new merch set up and ready to sell. We have everything from hats, shirts, sweaters, cups, mugs, backpacks, pillows, and the list goes on. It's also made for men, women, children, toddlers, and we even have something for your pets. We have several designs to choose from, and a bunch of different colors and sizes. Head over to shop.spreadshirt.ca slash Buick Outdoors to check it out. That's shop.spreadshirt.ca slash Buick Outdoors and join the team today. So part of educating all the people there that were on that one little post, I, I basically told them everything that I just said just in a very well a, a condensed form. I didn't go on some great big huge rant or anything like that but uh basically i was letting them know and kind of giving a peace of mind that a good trapper isn't going to just throw a trap out willy-nilly i mean if it's like some little kid out running around trying to learn the ropes of trapping like for one good on them but you know they should be doing it responsibly uh but this was a full-grown adult who was doing it legally and uh basically I was letting them know like they're not going to be anywhere near that walking trail uh they also told me that uh, I think it was he was a couple kilometers away from any walking trail whatsoever so there should never be people going where he had snares set so I really want to give people kind of like a peace of mind another thing that came up was uh one of the people there they're saying that you know if they see any traps or snares you know they're gonna pull them down or destroy them or whatever and uh i've had that happen in the past so i i really want to make sure that was clear to them that it is unlawful and illegal to destroy or tamper with any legally set trap or snare uh unfortunately for just regular regular old people you're really not going to know what's legal and what's illegal so the best thing to do I said was to just call up the CO's let them know where you found these traps at, where you found these snares at tell them that there's just a general concern uh, for people's safety or the safety of their pets and then the CO's will do their part they'll get a hold of the trap line owner and then they kind of just go from there. Whether it's the trapline line owner or from somebody who has permission from the owner to trap in the area. And then they'll basically ask them to move it out of respect for other people. Uh, but for the most part, like, technically speaking and legally speaking, I really don't think they would actually have to. Because if they have... The rights to trap on crown land. Just because there's a walking trail. Doesn't mean. That they can't trap there. Uh, but any. Actual good ethical trapper. Would never set. Anywhere near close to that stuff. And in this case the guy. You know he. They were a long ways away from it. Uh, another thing people were asking. Is why don't you put up like. Active trap line signs and stuff, or ribbons, because uh, you can get little warning signs and stuff saying, Hey, you know, caution active trap line in the area, please keep dogs on leashes. You can also get like yellow, uh, kind of like caution tape, but it just says active trap line. And we tried doing that on one of our trap lines, uh, but basically, what happened there was it invited people in to actually search for our traps and our snares. And it was just bad. Uh, We never really had much of issues uh, with people tampering with our stuff. The odd time. uh, There was a couple of traps that were stolen from us that were... uh, Some side roads that we would just set them on like a stump set on the side of the road in the ditch, not very far, but it was places where like nobody drove or anything like that. Like they didn't plow it in the winter. Uh for the most part. Sometimes they did because there would be like one pipeline header, like way in the back, kind of a thing. So for us it was easy access. Uh but also where we were trapping, it's not like a, a place where the general public frequently use uh, if you were in that area, it was because you went out for a evening drive or whatever and uh just happened to come across this road kind of a deal. Uh and we had some traps stolen from us, whether it was somebody out driving around, operator in the area who knows. You know, until you actually catch the person, you have no idea why they're there, what they were doing or what their intentions are. Uh, So then we did try putting up a sign. And as soon as we put up that sign, it was almost kind of like the word spread around that there's somebody out here trapping. And then it just brought in more traffic. And again, it was a place where you don't go there unless you go there for a reason. Uh, And then we were starting to run into issues and trouble. So we just removed all that. And ever since then, if I talk to a trapper who even remotely kind of considers putting up those signs, I just say, hey, don't do it. Uh, the only thing that I would recommend is if you have a cabin, put up a sign on the cabin itself saying this is a trapper's cabin, please use respect, please don't steal my stuff. Even though that happens quite a bit too. Uh, We've had several items go missing from our cabin. Uh, When there was a big forest fire happening there, we talked to the forestry people. They said, if you set up like a 1,000-gallon water tank, have it full of water, have a Honda trash pump there and hoses and stuff set up, if the fire gets near your cabin, we know where it is now. We'll go in there. You have all the equipment there. We'll turn everything on. We'll hose everything down. And we'll contain the fire at the cabin. We said okay no problem. We hauled in a thousand gallon water tank. And then in the box of my ranger. We had another. I think it was a 50 gallon water tank. No maybe it was a hundred gallon. Anyways it was a small water tank. And we would take my ranger. Out to one of the ponds. We had a little 12 volt electric water pump. We slowly filled up. water tank in the ranger we drive that to the cabin and we slowly fill up that thousand gallon tank and then when everything was all said and done we had water lines and hoses and pumps all sitting there and gas everything like that ready for if the fire did get there uh i think it was about two days after the fire kind of slowly started to die off the wind changed everything was looking optimistic so we went back in there uh, and somebody actually went in there stole the hoses, stole the pump and stole our gas so that wasn't very nice of them uh, we've also had people steal our fire pit we've had people steal our firewood uh, we've had people go into our one shed and steal stuff out of there uh, we had Trail cameras set up. Uh, the one time. We always. Usually we would run like. Three cameras. One right at the cabin. One pointing at the other camera. And then one at the trail coming in. Uh, people came in. Stole two out of the three. The third one got a picture of them. And we dealt with the problem. We got our stuff back. And everything was kind of hunky dory. But. You know, it's it's just amazing to me at, at what people will steal from you, and uh, you know, a lot of times too, it's just little petty stuff. You know, our uh, well, our <laughs> our fire pit was just one of the metal. Uh, oh, what the heck are they? Like the metal stands that you get at Canadian Tire kind of has like a little shield on it too that you can pull off and put back on and you know it was nice they're cheap too they're like a hundred bucks so, like the money the money thing wasn't the issue the issue was somebody went in there just to steal our fire pit and that we ended up actually finding just up the road on a little pull out so they stole it from us took it up the road had a fire left it there like i don't know people are strange and weird Uh, in the shed, people were stealing things like firewood, lawn chairs, air spray, just real oddball, stupid stuff. Uh, the cabin was always locked, uh, so luckily nobody went into that cabin. Uh, another issue that we've had, too, was, uh, we had a cabin that actually got burnt down, uh... That was not a fun one because we bought the trap line, we built the cabin, and then I think it was the following year somebody burned it down. And uh what was really, really, really irritating with that is when we called up the cops and we said, Hey guys, you know, this is what happened. We have a registered trap line, we have a registered cabin on that trap line. Here's the tag number, everything goes with it, everything's legal. Somebody came in, they burnt it down, we would like to find out who, and then press charges. And the cops basically said, we'll open up a file, get out of my office. So we sold that trap line, and uh, that put a really bad taste to my mouth for the police around here. Uh, the respect that they had for us was just bare minimum, you know, they... It was pretty well like wiping the dirt off your shoes as you walk in the door and then that was about it. Uh so you know the, when it comes to trapping and owning trap lines and owning cabins and stuff it is phenomenal to have you'll have the greatest times of your life but you have to be extremely cautious with the general public and then uh You know, I also just like to educate people on this kind of stuff. Because for the most part, people don't really know anything about it. Uh, Trapping is one of those things where it's a lost art now. Uh, Even what I'll call back in the day when my dad was, you know, like 40 years old, we would go to a lot of the trapping conventions. Uh, It's where like a lot of the... BC Trappers all get together. Uh, Usually we rent out. Kind of a a hall. Or uh, like a rec center. And stuff like that. And there is all sorts of vendors. And stuff that come in there. Uh, There's people that sell their knives. Skinning. uh, Stretching boards. Flushing beams. Flushing knives. Mini gun shows. Uh, BC Trappers Association puts on like. Uh, seminars on how to properly skin animals so you can get the highest profit for your hides and you have the proper care of your hides and it's a great time Uh, but when my dad was like 40 and now he's even in his getting into his 50s he's considered one of the young guys in the industry Uh, for the most part trappers now like the old timers they're 80, 90 years old. And it's a very sad thing, but they are all slowly dying off. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're in your 40s or 50s and you're considered the young guy, you know, the up and comer, uh, the industry is in bad, uh, bad shape. Uh, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where there's just too many kind of, Broken, bleeding hearts that really don't know what is that they're talking about, and you try to educate a lot of people, and for the most part, you know people just don't want to take the education. They just nope. Trapping equals killing, which is bad, and that's just where they leave it at. There's still a big market in uh, parts of Asia, Russia, Europe, kind of a thing, uh, but almost everything in kind of North America has just dive bomb downhill there's even some states that are just outlawing uh trapping and selling of wild fur which I I don't understand the reasoning behind it other than animals are cute and cuddly uh you know and it's it's slowly just a dying industry and even just to get into it nowadays it is extremely hard you can't uh you know, it's not like when you watch Mountain Men or Yukon Men or whatever. They kind of portray it as, as long as you have traps, you can go out and do it willy-nilly, wherever you want. Uh, you know, you have to have a license for it. To get that license, you have to take a multi-day course. You have to pass a exam, a written one, and a physical exam. And then when you submit your paperwork to get your trapping license, it has to go through the natives and the province. They both have to approve it. And then once you have that, you still don't own any rights to trap anything anywhere. You just have a trapping license. Uh, so then you have to either get permission from trap line owners, public land owners, or you buy your own trap line. Uh, if you do want to trap on private, you have to get a special It's not exactly a permit, but it's like a clause on your trapping license. So if I want to trap around, say, Buick, when I submit my trapping license, it has to say that you have to check the box saying that you want to trap on private property, and then you have to put the management unit of the private property. So around here, it's management unit 745. So if they say, yep, you're approved to trap, on private property in the management unit 745 I can't go over to Cecil Lake area and trap on private property over there because that's a different management unit that's 732 I think I'd, I'd have to look again but and then also when you're on private property uh, you have to check your traps every single day every 24 hours you have to check your traps now that doesn't sound like a lot of work however if you're actually doing it man it is a ton of work that is a full time job every 24 hours you have to make your loop whether you're driving quadding walking whatever and you have to check your traps Uh, if you are on crown land it's every three days and again it is it's a lot of work Uh, well it's every three days for a live catch. So like a foothold, you have to go every three days, which I actually like that. Cause if you set it on Sunday and you catch something on Monday and you don't come back until the next Saturday, that that poor animal, he's gonna be there for for quite a long time before you put him out of his misery. Cause that is would be miserable. However, if you set it on Sunday, you catch him on Monday, you're back on Tuesday, say really, they, they had a boring day or two, then you go out, you take care of business, now if you want to take the route of actually owning your own trap line for some reason, uh, they are extremely expensive nowadays, uh, <laughs> hey buddy, my cat's here, burn, it wasn't too long ago you could buy a trap line for five to ten thousand dollars uh, now that same trap line would probably run you depending on the area twenty to sixty thousand dollars and some don't even come with a cabin if you want a cabin again you have to go through all the proper legal requirements you have to submit uh... a permit to the government, saying where you want the cabin to be at, they approve it, then they send you a tag for that cabin, and then your cabin can only be a certain size, uh, I want to say it can only be 200, 200 or 260 square feet, I can't remember, it's like a 12 by 14 or something like that, is like the biggest cabin you can legally build But even a small cabin like that, it's still gonna run you. Well, these days probably about twenty thousand dollars to build it. And then when you're out trapping too, you need a reliable vehicle. You need a reliable sled or quad, whatever it is that you're using. Because uh, for the most part, if you're trapping, you're not. You no, know, you're not downtown, or you're not five minutes from town. You know, you're out in the bush. So you don't want some old clunker piece of junk machinery that's going to break down eventually. You're going to want something that's going to keep you safe. You don't really have to worry too much about it. Uh, especially parts of parts of the areas that we were trapping. We were almost to the end of the 73 road. Now the 73 road ends at kilometer 143. We were way up there. And then our our line out there. It was an 80 mile loop. So if we're in the middle of the loop. And our sled died. It was 40 miles either way. Back to the cabin. So you want to make sure that your sled isn't going to die. So you're going to want something either brand new. Or pretty close to brand new. So now not only are you looking at spending... Say thirty thousand dollars on a drop line. You also need a a reliable truck, say I don't know, say another thirty thousand, and then a reliable sled, say that's ten thousand. So you're already into it for seventy grand. Well, plus the license and the course. The course is two hundred and fifty bucks. Your license is another wanna say four hundred dollars if you do it for five years. And then you have all your traps too you can't do an 80 mile trap line with a dozen traps and a dozen i don't even know the price of traps anymore they were expensive like a a single wolf trap or a single beaver trap that's this you use the same one uh i want to say those were 50 or 60 bucks for one uh so then if you're out trapping wolves or beavers You're going to want at least a dozen. 12 times 50. That's quite a bit of money. Same thing with conibears bears for for Martin. You not only need your conibear, But you also need the box. You can do like a running pole set. But very, very, very few people use those around here. Everybody uses uh, Martin boxes. And those are made out of, for the most part, plywood. And then uh, you need all your bait your lures buddy you need all your bait and lures and like it is a ton of money so you know it's no wonder why people just aren't getting all that excited to get into trapping and then when all of this is set and done you have to spend your entire winter trapping you can't just set traps and go well you know maybe in a couple of weeks they'll come back and check it all and it doesn't work that way You, as soon as you set that first trap, you're committed. So, now if you had any other plans or anything like that for the winter, just cancel them all because once you're trapping, you're trapping. That's your life for the winter. And for the most part, it is fun and it's worth missing out on all this other stuff. But if you're like a real social person, you know, it's not going to happen. Like, it takes a very certain person to actually enjoy trapping and enjoy the whole process and then when you do catch stuff with the fur market in the tanks and not very many people actually buying fur nowadays uh the prices have dropped uh even being able to sell your fur has dropped because before Everybody wanted it. Where now there's a handful of people that actually want it. And once they have what they need. They're not going to continue buying it. Or if they do it's going to be for pennies. And they're just going to have an overstock. Uh, so a lot of times if you catch. Well the last bad one was beaver. You could send a dozen beaver to the market. Or to the auction. And if they sold. They sold you're doing good already. And when they sold, it was like $8. $8 for a beaver, for the amount of work that goes into it, is, you're making probably about $0.02 an hour. Uh, The amount of work that goes into trapping is absolutely phenomenal. Just getting out there, setting your traps, checking them, uh, staying legal, and then you have to skin them, you have to have the proper hide, uh take care of the hide properly, take care of the fur properly, you need your stretchers. you know it the amount of work that actually goes into it, you're not gonna make any profits whatsoever, and for the most part, people don't want profits, but they do want to make back some money, even if it's just to pay for the gas in their sled uh. These days, it's actually, it's extremely hard just to break even on your fuel bill. Now, if you have nothing else going on uh, during the winter, it's no big deal. Uh, Like, if you go ice fishing or something like that, sure, you're going to spend some money on some of your equipment and on fuel and stuff, and at the end of the day, you catch a couple fish, maybe. And that's, you know, you kind of take the good with the bad But with the trapping aspect of things you know it's just it costs so much money and you get very little to nothing in return so the new generation coming up like there's real no drive for them to do it plus everybody's so connected with their cell phones and computers and stuff like that now uh nobody's really in it for like the nature aspect uh For me living out in the country. I have bird feeders and stuff. Because I love listening to the birds. Where people in town. They'll say hey shut those birds up. Kind of a thing right. There's just no connection. uh, To nature anymore. For a lot of people. So they don't even have that aspect. Uh, So like the fur industry. It's in. Really really bad. You know. It's just in trouble right now. And. uh, You know. I don't know if we're able to really pull out of it or not. Uh, It's a great hobby to do, and it's fun, and it's enjoyable. But when you're, uh, all the troubles that kind of go with it and all the general public kind of start to attack you a little bit here and there, you know, it's really hard to uh, justify getting into it. For me, I got out of it just because I couldn't keep up to the legal requirements and uh for one i didn't want to be illegal for two i i could not leave an animal you know i even though i hunt i fish use the trap you know we don't do it for the killing aspect of it if we did there'd be a lineup of people outside the near slaughterhouse that are willing to work for free uh you know we do it for the respect of the animals to get outside to enjoy nature to just kind of connect with everything and to get away from the hustle and bustle of everything and uh you know like that that side of life just isn't there anymore for a lot of people for me it's just sad to see kind of like Canada's basically oldest industries uh slowly dying out uh And for the most part, it's just because of people really not being educated. Uh, You know, if you look back in our history, any town that has like the name Fort in it, it was an old trading post. Uh, And those trading posts were built for uh, the fur industry. But, uh, you know, it's all slowly kind of coming to an end. It's kind of dying out. People don't realize a lot of the history with it or actually what goes into it. And how ethical it actually is. you know. Even when you go out to trap. And you kill an animal. Uh, people say you don't know, let nature take its course. I've seen what happens. When nature takes its course. And I would much rather. Get caught up in a snare. Or a trap. And uh, be taken out by a trapper. Uh, nature is a cruel. Cruel bitch. And you do not want her taking care of you. But. Uh, anyways guys. I think that's where I'm going to end this. We're going to wrap her up here. Uh, If you have any questions about trapping or the fur industry. uh, You know I haven't really been in it for the last couple of years. But I can definitely try to help you out. Understand some more. Educate you a little bit. Or you can check out any Trappers Association pages. Uh, For me around here it's the BC Trappers Association. Uh, You know go onto their website read up on it you can send an email to the secretary president vice president whatever and you can talk to those guys directly and they'll have all the info that you could ever need and all the up-to-date info too uh with me being out of trapping for the last little bit uh there might have been some changes here and there that i don't know about or that i'm aware of uh basically just i'm not paying attention to it right but anyways, guys, uh, I really hope you liked uh, listening to this and watching this. Again, if you're just listening to this and you want to watch it, uh, just go to our YouTube channel called Buick Outdoors. Uh, there's even just a podcast uh, playlist on there. Uh, if you want to watch them all, or just watch one, watch parts of it, whatever, you know, uh, do your thing. And then also, if you're watching this, And you want to listen to it, we're on all major podcast platforms. Uh, Just search up the Buick Outdoors podcast and you'll find us. We're on Apple, Google, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Uh, I'm sure there's a few others that I'm forgetting. But uh, yeah, guys, really hope you enjoyed this. Uh, If you're watching it, give it a like, comment, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to this, maybe give us a review. uh, one star if you like, or if you didn't like it. Five stars if you did like it. And, uh, yeah, hey guys. We'll catch you on the next one.